right, welcome everybody to Unquestionable with Calvin Smith. I'm your host, Calvin, and uh, I have an amazing guest with me today. I have Mr. Anthony Ag- Magnabosco with me, but um, before I get into uh, what Anthony is here for and uh, kind of why I wanted him on the show, I wanted to let you guys know that I have this awesome shirt printed up and I have one that I have not worn. Um, it just has my logo on the front of it and uh, on the, my Instagram page at Unquestionable Podcast, you can actually enter a giveaway and win that free shirt. And uh, so yeah, feel free to check me out on Instagram if you want a shirt. And uh, unfortunately, it's United States only. I don't have any international shipping at the moment. So sorry if you're listening in Australia and the UK. I know I have uh, quite a few listeners over there, but uh, US only for right now. But uh, that's all I had to talk about you know, to start off with, uh, I want to get into my guest for today, uh, Anthony Magnabosco. So uh, welcome, Anthony. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, shipping internationally is always a challenge. We just had this thing where uh, we're developing this course for street epistemology. We had people from around the world volunteer to help us test one of the modules, and we sent them some shirts. And it's always a little tricky to get that stuff internationally. You have to fill out all these extra forms and stuff. It's yeah. almost just easier to say, sorry, we're just not doing that. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, it's it's not like I have a gigantic following or anything right now. You know, if I had a ton of people from overseas or something asking for it, then I would I would figure something out. But sure. Unfortunately, you know, at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm still working on it. I still work on the listenership. But uh, so, yeah, sure. Anthony, you, uh, you're actually the executive director of Street Epistemology International. Am I correct? Yeah, it's an organization we started about two years ago in response to the developing interest in street epistemology, which I'm sure we'll get into what the heck yeah. that is for your viewers. And yeah. we wanted to uh, give people a way to support what we're doing financially and then get those funds to other people who are interested in spreading the word about this method. So, yeah, it's been going pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I like to think you guys are doing a really good job as to what your organization is doing and what you guys are trying to promote. And um, the critical thinking aspects. Um, like I was talking to you just before we started recording, um, I found you about a year ago, but I've been hearing about you ever since I kind of, um, you know, because a couple of years ago, I, I wasn't sure really what I believed and why I believed as far as religion goes. And um, plus, I was kind of falling down this rabbit hole of thinking like Hillary Clinton was a reptile. And, you know, like, uh, you know, put my tinfoil hat on thinking that they're like, everybody was aliens. You know, I was, I was falling deep in this hole. And uh, so I, I wasn't sure what I believed in religiously. So I decided to pick up a Bible and, uh, you know, read it as best as I could. And, uh, you know, I, I did skip over a couple parts, but I'm actually reading over those right now. Um, and I had been hearing about you like through the atheist experience and, um, you know, I saw a couple episodes that you were on with the atheist experience and um, then I figured I would just, you know, check you out and I would, you know, look up, uh, you know, your name on Google and you popped up right there with your YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, I've been watching your videos of you interacting with these people and it's, it's interesting because you're not interacting with them in like a debate format. You're not coming at them aggressively. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of the things that I was seeing on the internet, as far as, you know, people asking about what people believed and why, um, people were being confrontational about it. And I thought your approach to it was uh, something I hadn't seen before. Yeah, isn't it funny though? That, like you would think that respectful, productive conversations should be, would be the norm. Right. But they're not, especially as the topic gets more and more contentious. So if it is about a God belief or a political claim or some social issue, we tend to argue about it, debate, ridicule. So to see it like to, early on, like that, there weren't a lot of examples online of that type of interaction where right. it was also productive. 
Right. That's, that's, you know, you didn't mention that specifically, but that usually is also a component too, is like you, it seems like we're making more progress with the person who holds the claim when you explore it with them in this manner of the street epistemology approach. So there's something to it. Like there's something drastically different compared to a call, even the call-in shows on AX, on AXP. Yeah. Those can get very heated yes. and argumentative. And if you try to replicate that with a family or a friend or a stranger on the street, it's going to probably go the same way. It's going to be ugly and you're going to probably feel like crap afterwards. Exactly. So I was really drawn to this approach because it was seemingly effective and I felt better afterwards. And my conversation partners seemed to feel good about it too. Yeah. So that's a really, that's a big sell, I think, of this approach compared to the other ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, um, I actually recently picked up uh, Peter Bogosian's book, um, a, Man- a Manual for Creating Atheists. Um, and it's actually sitting behind me here. And uh, I'm about halfway through it right now. And uh, what do you think of it? It's it's really good, like very insightful, oh, yeah? like literally from page one, I've been hooked on it. Um, it's It's got a lot of really good information. It's easy to read. Um, I, I would recommend it to really anyone who is interested in street epistemology, what it was, um, you know, how it's kind of developed from, from when the book has been written too. What it was. Yeah. I'm glad you, you added that yeah. clarifier. Cause I think it's changed a lot since then. And that book really appealed to me when I read it, I was inspired to go out and start having talks where I was using that approach Yeah, and then putting them on my channel. Right. He's since put out another book that I think has picked up where that well, not just where that book left off, but what has what has transpired in the years between the first book and the second book. We've right. developed the, the approach quite a bit. The actual practitioners of the approach, including the author, I think recognize, wow, this is drastically different. Yeah. And he has another book out now, uh, came out two years ago now, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I didn't know he had another book out, but yeah, I mean, I've noticed yeah. that just reading through that, you know, it's it's like, I see a lot of what he's writing about and, you know, things that you do on your channel um, and of what other people are doing, like Cordial Curiosity and, um, you know, Let's Chat and all these other street epistemology mm-hmm. channels. Um, but it's not, it's, it's like Peter has, you know, a very, I guess, primitive version of it written down. But, yeah, it's primitive, admittedly, and it's probably a little harsher. Yeah. So if you tried to do like, I literally tried to mimic his style when I first started going out and I was having difficulty. And then when you stick with it and then you share your examples online and people can tell you other things to try, then you've got development. We're now we're cooking with gas. And then, like, as you mentioned, other people get into it. You have these different styles. We're all, you know, we communicate with each other too. We hang out, we do review videos together. So there's this collaborative community spirit that's permeating this approach that's moving it forward in a really productive way yeah and i mean i i was i really enjoy everyone's approach to it because i i really want to know why people believe these things you know because i know why i believed in you know aliens built the pyramids and you know all this other really crazy claims um but i want to know why other people think that you know are they thinking it for the same reason that i was thinking it for um yeah you know that's good uh, that you have that that inqu- that in the the uh, the curiosity part is really good. So yeah. if this is like part inquiry and empathy. Right. Street epistemology, I think, is the, the merging of those two things. So like you do want to be genuinely interested. Why does this person think that there are lizard people on this planet? Right. Well, how did they get there? Because I want to explore those steps and maybe adopt the view if it's true. But right. if it's not true and you haven't quite thought it out, I want to, because I want to help you because I have empathy for you. 
I want to respectfully challenge your view at a pace that you're comfortable with to help you reflect on it to say, maybe I don't have good reasons for thinking this and maybe I should back off my, my confidence on it. Right. So you kind of have to have those two things. You can do it. You can use SE to just go out and crush people's views of reality yes. if you wanted to. Yeah. But you, if you don't have the empathetic component to it, then something's, something's lacking, something's missing, I think, in my view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I, I think what's really interesting about street epistemology, too, is that anyone can do it. You know, anyone can practice it and people are probably practicing it, not even realizing that they're doing it. You know, you don't have to be, you know, an atheist or, you know, you don't have to not believe in lizard people to, you know, do street epistemology that anyone can do it. A Christian can do it. A Muslim can do it. I think that's really awesome about it. Yeah. Think of, think of a parent who's hearing their kid cry in the other room and they go to check on him and the child's afraid of a monster under the bed. Yeah. How would you engage with that child? You would right. probably be using something along the lines of street epistemology, emerging yeah, yeah. of, of inquiry and, and compassion. Right. Yeah. And, ref and helping the child reflect on it and calming them down and, and, you know, giving them something to rationally think about on their own. Right. Yeah. You really can't convince them. They have to be, con they have to do the convincing themselves, I think, but you can facilitate, you can facilitate change through inquiry and empathy. And that's what street yeah. epistemology is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've talked a lot about what exactly, um, you know, you do as far as on your channel, but we, ha I don't think we've necessarily explained for people who aren't familiar at all with street epistemology, exactly what it is, you know, where, um, where did street epistemology start? And did you start um, street epistemology international or was that around before you started practicing? No, no. I, let me take it from the beginning. So the okay. start of, well, arguably the start of street epistemology could be argued to originate from the Socratic method. You know, the stories of Plato with Socrates mm -hmm. and so forth. Yep. And then a philosophy professor, Peter Bogosian wrote that first book, a manual for creating atheists. Right. I read that started going out and recording talks. Okay. Uh, a community developed or was, it, there was a, there was a fledgling community, but it really started blowing up once videos, I think came online that started driving people into the communities that led to the innovations that you see today and that are currently happening today. There are literally innovations happening right now that you will start seeing in future videos. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm not speaking personally, but um, well, maybe in a way I am, I've got a few videos that might show changes or growth. Yeah. And then uh, Bogosian wrote a second book. I think the nonprofit formed around the same time that his second book came out, but they're completely independent. Okay. Uh, the nonprofit is not associated with Bogosian or his books or anything. It, it was started by myself and a few other practitioners who wanted to legitimize what we're doing Gotcha. and try to get some real money behind what we're doing too. Cause we want people to scientifically study this. Oh, so we don't okay. want to just say, well, just look yeah. at the videos. We want to have data to show this is yeah. what is probably happening Definitely. in a person's brain and so forth. And that's kind of been the path so far. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, um, I mean, it's really interesting because, I mean, I kind of started off when I started watching you because uh, you were the first straight epistemology, you know, person I had, uh, you know, watched was you. And then I found all these other channels and um, mm -hmm. I, I thought it was really interesting how your videos evolved from how they started, you know, because I can I can audibly hear your voice is different when you're talking to people nowadays, you know, rather than, than back then, you know, it's, it's so um, welcoming. And I think that's the big thing is that you're not um, coming off, 
you know, confrontational and you, you know, you're able to read the body language really well, which I'm trying to work on my body language reading. Um, and, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting to watch your videos for sure, especially nowadays. Thank you. Yeah. I, I do think there's been a lot of growth, not in not just in terms of my own personal growth and my interactions, but with the technique itself. Yes. So sometimes I'll listen. Sometimes I even listen to a recent conversation and I can hear the anxiety in my voice and I'm right. trying to account for that and control for that. But if you go to the other videos, ooh, yeah, like it's, it's tense. Yeah. But you can watch something today. It's like, it's pretty chill. Wow. Like they're going slow and methodical and they're joking around even. Yeah. And they're not even really worried about the time limits anymore. And it's just this nice kind of cool organic, semi-organic. Cause it's, you know, I'm asking, I'm inviting people to st stop and talk right, and surface right. a claim. Yeah. 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 Um, I think so something that uh, I I try to do because I in, I would hope in the near future I want to try to get some more equipment straightened around so that I can actually start practicing street epistemology, um, you know, in like public parks and stuff like like that I'm around. But um, what kind of advice cool. would you have for me as someone who is pretty much fresh out of the gate and really doesn't have much experience behind them other mm. than uh, Facebook groups and uh, you know, cordial debates like that. And maybe watching the videos itself. Right, right. Well, um, the resources that are available today for people like yourself are really good. So there's an app that's a little dated, quite honestly, but it's called Atheos. Yeah, yeah. There's a course that we're working on, but it won't be ready maybe for another six months to a year, unfortunately. Okay, okay. But probably the best thing is videos and immerse yourself in the community. Right. And figure like watch what people are doing but take notes but don't copy exactly yeah like you might watch a couple of videos and say oh okay i see they're kind of establishing the claim and then they're getting to a confidence level yep. and then maybe they're identifying reasons and methods you can follow that like that's a really useful guide yeah but don't be don't be so like don't copy too closely where you lose your own identity and you're sacrificing your your authenticity for it right right so don't it's, kind it's of good it's like a robot kind yeah of, right because while your conversation partner may not detect it people who watch the video will including se yeah, practitioners yeah. themselves are like ah uh, why wasn't he just a little bit more natural in general you know and yeah kind of find his own style right so that would be my my advice is like copy to a point to get you comfortable doing it yeah but at some point take the training wheels off and just be yourself and do it right I mean, that's, it's funny that you say that because actually when I first started watching your videos and I was like, man, I should try this out. I should try doing this because it seems like really interesting. And the fact that anyone can do it, I'm, I'm going to try it out. And so I got my notepad out and I started taking notes on like your videos and, you know, portal curiosity videos and all these other channels. And uh, hmm. I was actually writing down like word for word, what you guys were saying. And I, uh, what I sometimes do is I'll get on the, uh, I don't know if you've heard the chat site Omegle, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I actually go on there and you can actually have really interesting conversations with people through that chat site. So I've actually done street epistemology over Omegle with people. And this is kind Fantastic. of the only face-to-face uh, -face type of interactions that I'm having um, with anybody. And I, that's cool. really interesting conversations that I have with people. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I guess it's, it's different than if they're right in front of you talking. Well, you have a bigger challenge as opposed to like being on the street 
like with Omegle, yeah. if I'm saying that right, uh, you're randomly served up with somebody, if I'm not yes. mistaken. And is there a time limit too? Is, no, is there a pressure? No time limit. Um, it's, okay. Some people have videos, some people don't. Um, honestly, there's a lot of inappropriate stuff on there, so you kind of mm -hmm. have to. Sift. You got to weed out the the noise. Yeah, you right, got to get you got to sift that out, and you know, there's obviously people that you'll you know get a couple sentences out, and they'll you'll kind of feel like you're getting a feel for them. Then they can just hit skip at any point, and. Yeah. You know, See that I think that would be the biggest challenge is finding somebody who's willing to have a good talk with you and open up. Yeah. Because SE is more about the questions. Right. It's about how you're interacting with the person. Yeah. And what so, I've been doing is what's interesting on Omegle is that you can actually add tags on there. So you can add like Bible right. or God or something. And it'll find people that also have that tag. So that's what I've been doing is I've been putting oh, that's good. tags like Bible, Jesus, or um, you know, aliens, UFO and matching up with these people with similar interests. And then they're like, Hey, you know, you want to talk about God? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And That's those fantastic. are honestly the best conversations that I've had. I've had like two, three hour long conversations with people that I wish I would have recorded. Um, but <laughs> can you, are you able to, I probably could, I could probably rig it up now. Um, you know, a couple, couple weeks mm. ago, I really wasn't able to, I just recently got a new computer, um, to okay. where I'm actually able to like record zoom interviews. Like we are now, um, Nice. Well, well, yeah, here's, so, let me get back to the advice. So yeah. rather than taking notes on my interactions or Reed's or Tyrone's, Eddie's, uh, Nathan, whoever, whoever's yeah. uploading videos you know, consistently lately, um, it might be better to record your own conversations if you're allowed to do so, and then yeah. take notes on your own interactions. Right, right. Because you, you have the expertise now because you've watched the videos and now you're doing it. Now it's time to be introspective of your own interactions and right. maybe even be brave enough to put them out there for other people to critique them. Yeah. yeah and I, definitely. I mean, I even tried to implement street epistemology in some of my previous episodes, which um, I don't know if you've checked any of them out, but like a good episode where I, I tried sorry. to, Oh no, you're, you're good. You're good. Um, you're feel free to check them out anytime though, but they're, they're everywhere. But on uh, the episode that I have with uh, Debbie Solaris, she believed that she was contacted by extraterrestrials and mm. she's able to contact them through the Akashic records. And uh, so I tried to um, implement some straight epistemology with her and, you know, why she believed what she believed and what exactly she believed and, you know, if she thought it was true. And I even did a couple thought experiments with her, um, like mm. I did the, uh, the Ferrari um, example. I love the, the Ferrari example. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I just kind of tried to practice my straight epistemology with her. And I think her conversation was probably the best conversation I've had as far as um, really? epistemology goes so um yeah check that out if, if you're interested and in, i mean maybe getting some uh critique yeah. on where i could have done better on that is it a youtube video yeah guess? it's on youtube and it's on okay, spotify cool. apple pockets everywhere you're you know it's uh, okay yeah because the reason i ask is because we have a playlist you may have seen it where um so there's a playlist now whenever we come across a video that has anything to do with se whether it's a, a video example of a conversation or if it's a criticism or if there's an oblique reference to it on some other podcast, we usually right. dump that into this playlist okay. and we can throw your video in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free. Because to we want, we want new practitioners of SE to be exposed to the broader community so that you can get that crucial feedback for getting better. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, um, that's, you know, that's the plan. And once I get some more equipment going on, you know, I want to do a couple episodes of me bringing my equipment out and recording conversations with people in public and nice. I just need a couple more pieces of equipment. Plus we're in the process of moving. That's why I don't have anything on my walls right now besides my guitar. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we're in the process of moving. Uh, so once we get that all situated, then maybe I can start looking into, you know, getting a couple more pieces of equipment and, uh, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, 
it's interesting. Um, I, yeah. I really, I mean, I hope maybe before the snow starts coming, cause I live in Michigan myself. So I hope before the snow comes, I can, uh, you know, get out and talk to a couple people, but if not, then I guess that gives mm-hmm. me a couple, you know, six months of snow to, <laughs> mm-hmm. to study up some more. In-person SE is really, it's so rewarding. Uh, yeah. it, 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 uh, it takes some courage to get out there and do it. Cause even, you know, if, if I had to go out tomorrow to do it, my heart would probably still be racing a little bit like, okay, here we go. I got to stop a stranger. And right. you know, I don't, I don't like doing this. I don't like when they do it's it to weird. me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. But if you want to practice and get a talk with a real person, I don't know of any other way, except maybe what Reed might do where he said Reed and Dolly and how they set the table out. And yeah. Yeah. Sort of this inviting presence. And then what are you doing over there? Right. They pe- right. people usually approach them rather than them flag people down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the cameras, you know, you, you could practice with just audio, like maybe your cell phone or some, you know, yeah. audio capture device. Right. Because sometimes the cameras can really amp up your own anxiety and your conversation partners, because now there's this whole other dynamic of being recorded okay. video, like visually, yeah, but whatever, like start with what you're comfortable with and just build up to it. Like say, you know, all day today, I'm just going to ask people if they have time for a short chat, I'm going to figure out what their claim is and then maybe ask them the level of confidence and then what would change their mind. And then I'm going to end it, you know, I'm going right. to get in and get out and just to get comfortable with it. But yeah. if, if you're, if you're ready to go and you're like, I can do this, no problem, <laughs> you know, more power to you, go for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I definitely, I'm, I'm anxious to get out there and start doing it, but you know, that's the thing is that I want to be able to record myself so I can actually look back on my body language and my interlocutors body language and actually, you know, really yeah. get a, a good feel for, for what's going on. And the you know, video, as far as a learning aid, the video is way better than just audio. Yeah. But if the video is a, you know, amps things up too much, you can always scale it back to just video to just audio. Definitely. Yeah. Have you That's ever cool. had um, a negative reaction from someone? Like, have you ever like, I don't know, had someone like try to fist fight you or something from, from something you've said or anything really offensive? Earlier in the back in the day, like when I was still learning SE and I was debating with people and if they said like something that I disagreed with, I would argue with them. Right, right. That plus also I wasn't there were so many things that I wasn't doing right. Like I was foisting conversations on people who didn't want to have a conversation with me Mm, in many instances, like the street preachers. I took it as a sign. Well, they're out here to converse with people. Therefore, I'm going to converse with you. Okay whether you like it or not. And that just, that's not a good starting point for right. SE. Um, yeah, so for that debate, there, but... w- there was some aggression that came back to me, but it wasn't really that serious. Yeah. I've had maybe once in a while, people don't like you. They don't like seeing you out there, especially if you go frequently, whether it's a trail or the university, there are some people mm-hmm. who are just annoyed because they suspect that they know what you're up to or, mm-hmm. Maybe they know that I'm doing street epistemology and that's that technique that comes from that book that turns everybody into atheists yeah. and therefore he's a bad person. So um, I've had some people threaten me nicely, you know, <laughs> like you'll, you'll pay, you know, that type of stuff. Like when yeah, you die, yeah. you'll pay and you, you get that kind of stuff. But that, that was really uh, uh, very unusual. Yeah. But it could happen. So when you do go out in public, make sure that there are other people around where if you do get in a jam, you can maybe wave somebody over to help you out. Yeah, definitely. So why? I mean, that's that's another thing with street epistemology. I think a lot of people have a a big misconception about it and that like, 
we're, you know, just out there to deconvert everybody or something. And that we're just out there to turn everybody atheist. And I mean, the, the title of the book, a manual for creating atheists, I mean, that's a scary title. And, um, you know, like when I got it in the mail and I opened it up, my wife went, Oh my God, what is that? It's funny. I promise it's it's about street epistemology. I promise. I know. I don't think even to this day, I don't let, let, let that book lay around, honestly, because it's, you know, such a, yeah. it's such an inflammatory title and it's so potentially misleading. Right. Because as we know, SE could be used for so many other things besides exploring that claim. Now it's right. deadly for religious claims. Let's face it. Yes. Like the title, the title kind of lives up to the, to the claim right. <laughs> because you could use street epistemology to deconvert somebody. You literally could do it if you wanted yeah, to, yeah. because it helps people realize that they may not have good reasons for their high level of confidence that something is true, but that applies to all types of claims, not just the religious one. So I'm, I'm sensitive to the, to the inflammatory nature of the title. However, I'm also somewhat sympathetic to it because it's, it's accurate. Like somebody yeah. could use SE for this purpose. Right. But it's the like solution to it, the solution to preventing you from decreasing your confidence in your claim is surfacing good reasons and methods for thinking something is true. So ultimately it's really not my fault that you have a belief that maybe you can't back up and it's susceptible to this approach. Yeah. So I'm kind of torn on it, but the title is problematic because it, it has the potential. And I think it has dissuade people from learning about it because they think it's only for this one thing. Right. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because theists could benefit greatly from learning this approach. I agree. And I, th- I think the title is really done a disservice, but he's written a second book. It's I'll give you the title since you didn't know it, but it's called how to have impossible conversations. Okay. And it's, it's much more broad. It's not, I don't even think they mentioned theist or atheist once in that book. I don't right. even think okay. they mentioned street epistemology more than maybe once in that book. Interesting. So it's very broad. It's meant for this broader application of skepticism and critical thinking through a dialectical, which is probably how it should have been presented in the first place. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and what's interesting is I actually just read past this part in um, a manual for creating atheists where for the longest time I was calling myself an agnostic atheist and because I wasn't sure if, a, if I believed in a God or not, but I was you know, I didn't have sufficient evidence to believe in a God, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't 100% sure. So I was calling myself an agnostic atheist. And I actually just read, I've been feeling weird about that label. And so luckily in a manual for creating atheists, he has like a whole uh, like chapter on whether you should call yourself an agnostic or atheist or hmm. a theist. And I, I think after reading that chapter, I think I'm I'm going to have to drop that label of agnostic atheist. I mean, he makes a really good argument that, uh, you know, I'm not agnostic to the belief of Santa Claus. So I'm not, you know, Santa Claus Uh, agnostic. I see. Yeah. The word agnostic could have different meanings. It sounds like he may have been using it as undecided or open-minded maybe. Right. So if I, I, it's been a while since I've read that book and I don't, I didn't even remember that that part was in there to be honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, refresh my memory. pretty close to the, to, to the beginning. It's so you may not remember it. Oh, pretty, okay. It's within like the first 50, 60 pages. So, so you might not mm-hmm. remember it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. So do you, do you do debates or anything like that? Or do you just do the street epistemology? I don't do debates. I've been invited 
every once in a while, somebody will invite me to debate somebody on this topic. I, I don't yeah. want to have any part of it because right. I don't think it's useful. And I think it's misleading for people who watch debates to think that's how I need to interact with the people in my life on this topic. So debates can do a dis like there's value in it. If you watch two people arguing and they're each trying to convince each other, and then you have thousands of people who watch that, that can passively weigh both positions and then come to their own conclusions. That's awesome. But I see also the liability of it. And because what I'm doing as advocating for a different approach, I think it, it might be problematic if I were to suddenly start debating people. Right. Fair. It might be like, I think people might be confused. Otherwise. Yeah. And also I'm not good at it. Like I, <laughs> right. I you know, I, I'm not really good for advocate advocating for my position. I'm much better at asking people, well, how did you become so sure that it's true? Yeah. So I, I of, sort of play to my strengths a little bit by yeah, going the SE route. That's kind of where I'm landing to. I'm kind of in the same boat. Cause when I, uh, you know, first picked up the Bible and by the end of it, I was, uh, I decided I didn't believe anything in it and that I was atheist. Um, that um sorry i lost my train of thought but yeah i i wasn't debates we're talking yeah, about deb debating debates and... sorry i totally had a brain fart there but yeah i i realized that i wasn't super good at debating either i mean i did the whole omegle thing and once again you can go on omegle and you can you know find people that are totally willing to debate with you they're totally willing like they are they're probably they're probably debate. expecting it yeah, I would imagine most people there are expecting that's what happens on the street. Yeah. People are expecting an argumentative debate and you have to do a lot of, of um, damage control. Like, no, 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 this isn't a gotcha video. I'm not here to debate you. Yes. If we were debating, I would look at it as a failure. I don't want to argue. The last thing right. I want is for either of our heart rates to get out of control. Yeah. I want to respectfully explore this with you to see how you became convinced. Can we do that? And yeah. people are still kind of skeptical when you lay it out that way because they've never seen it before in most cases. Right. Yeah. But once you, once you get a couple minutes into it, that's, what's kind of cool about the timer too. Like I'll set, can we set a timer for five minutes? How many times has the timer gone off and neither of us has really noticed <laughs> yeah. it or acknowledged it. We Almost just keep going every time. Cause we're, yeah, we're having such a good time. And yeah. I, I, if we were debating and the timer went off more than likely we'd be noticing we, and be like, yeah, I guess gone, this yeah. is, this is time to end it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's why I realized that I was, I was so bad at, um, you know, debating that I, I thought that this approach would be a lot better for a more productive conversation. Yeah. So even nowadays, I'm not listening to as many debates, um, you know, cause I, I just, I'm not a fan of the interactions and that, you know, the, the poop thrown yeah. in between the interlocutor. I just, I'm not right. a fan of it. I would for what? listen for an applause line to make you look better and feel better that you dominate yeah. the competition. What the, f like that exactly. is not helping anybody. Yeah. And that's why except I maybe that your own ego. Yeah. Street yeah. epistemology is a way better approach. And, you know, I love the street epistemology podcast. I've listened to probably every single, no you know, kidding. like 500 episodes. Wow. But, well, you know, it's funny. We, we, we're so swamped with content and other projects. You probably noticed that we don't upload as many episodes. Yeah. Like it's sporadic, you know, you might right. get two in a week and then sometimes you get one in a month or one every two months. So yeah. it's just, uh, we're reaching this point in the community where we have so many people like yourself creating content, good stuff that we want to share. And we're just, we're swamped with other larger tasks, like the development of the course, the yeah, foundation yeah. of the nonprofit, the, trying to find a neuroscientist to, to study what we're doing and thousands, well, not thousands, but many, many other things in between. And we're just like pulled in all these different directions. Yeah. I guess what would be really cool is if somebody started a competing SE podcast, oh. maybe it's time to have a second yeah. SE podcast out there. 
<laughs> yeah. And I mean, with what's funny is that that's kind of street epistemology is kind of the inspiration for my podcast. That's why it's called Unquestionable with Calvin Smith, because I um, I don't know if you're familiar with, you know, ancient lost high technology or anything like that. It's it's kind of a um, a niche that what kind of ancient loss? Yeah. Ancient lost high technology. So I don't know if you're familiar with people like Graham Hancock, they're kind of big name, like Graham Hancock or uh, Randall Carlson is, is another big mm. name though. Um, Sorry. The, no, you're all right. Um, so it's hard to kind of throw into a, a paragraph, but essentially um, it's not necessarily believing that aliens created the pyramids or you know these other amazing structures around the world such as like um you know the sphinx or pumapunku or tiwanaku or anything like that around the world it's more so there's evidence leading to the fact that it could be um some sort of technology that we don't have yet or that we mm. haven't discovered yet but ancient egyptians had it for building the pyramids and we are unaware of it mm. not anything like they were levitating stuff with their yeah. minds. Or it they still works within parts. the physics as just we know it, but something. it was just a... They had some sort yeah. of technology and it could hmm. be something primitive that we are unaware of. It's just the fact that the way that yeah. the modern narrative is trying to explain it doesn't make sense um, even to a lot of Egyptologists that study it. Um, and that's, it's kind of an yeah. uprising kind of thing. A lot of people are, you know, a lot of YouTubers, people like, Uncharted X is a big YouTube channel. And um, I had a guy named Brian Forrester on who, uh, my podcast, who's been studying it for the past 50 years and he lives in Peru and studies it. Um, mm. If you're interested in it, you're, you're welcome to check out a couple of my other previous podcasts where I kind of talked about- oh, That sounds interesting. I was into ancient aliens for like maybe yeah. a, a year, uh, 10 years or so ago. I was like really into it. Like I just yeah. I loved, I love the, the imagination but if uh, if there's an effort to try to figure out how they accomplish these things using materials and resources that were available to them yes. at the time, that was not otherworldly, perhaps, and right. it was like within their means to do it, like that would be a phenomenal, fascinating thing yeah. to discover. And that's that's the thing is that, you know, I don't watch ancient aliens. And I've said on the show before that I don't recommend anyone watch ancient aliens. They yeah, say I stopped watching really it. Really? They say they say everything is because of aliens and it's really absurd so i don't suggest anyone watch ancient aliens and i'm not at all you know one like you said i'm it's something practical that they had they um things like evidence of tube drills uh, being used but there's no hmm. tube drills laying around but there's i mean within these yeah. granite rocks and you know granite is yeah. maybe on, there was an rocks. animal back at the time that had like a tusk that was really yeah. good in the type of stone in that area and it was like exactly it was revolutionary and it allowed them to cut these large slabs and then they figured some creative way of moving these things and yes and that's what that, i'm suggesting is that you know nothing is yeah. alien i'm not suggesting anything alien or paranormal it's you know mm -hmm. i'm suggesting they just built something that we how does that tie into your podcast though are you um, trying to merge that with SEO because somehow? i i like to question the modern narrative so i'll i'll huh. pick up like um things like i just did an episode on the sphinx where i totally broke down the modern narrative of the sphinx and what common consensus in egyptology would say how the sphinx is built and then i kind of um i questioned it i guess you could say and i uh you know picked up evidence from other independent researchers who are saying the contrary to. So the, the common consensus is that the Sphinx is 4,500 years old and was built by Pharaoh Shepherd in, in uh, the old kingdom of Egypt. 
that's kind of a consensus, but evidence is showing from people like Robert Schock, who is um, a well-renowned er, um, geologist, and people like Randall Carlson, who's also a geologist, um, they've actually flown out to the Sphinx and, and shown evidence of these vertical fissures on the inside of the Sphinx enclosure that had to be done by significant precipitation over thousands of years. Um, and that could have only been done if the Sphinx was 9,000 plus years old. Um, and that's kind of what it's suggesting. Uh, so I kind of question the modern narrative. And then in my, the meantime, I guess you could say, I have guests on where I kind of do a little bit of straight epistemology and I ask them, you know, why do you believe, you know, you contacted aliens? Why do you believe cool. in Bigfoot? Um, you know, who's another guy I had on? I had... Um, you ever have Mick uh, West on or some people... Like Mick West is really into the whole UFO phenomenon that seems I've to be happening. Heard him. Yeah, I, I have. I've He's more of a debunker, but it yeah. might be interesting to talk to the people who are purporting that these are alien craft. Right. And maybe applying some of the same techniques that you're using. Yeah. On that. Definitely. That's good. Good. I, so, I wish you the yeah, luck. That's, that's, that's the kind luck of your the podcast. Podcast is, you know, I, I like to question things. And I mean, even if I, I don't, I don't like to have, you know, definitive facts i guess you could say you know i always feel like we should question everything that's kind of my saying is that we should question everything um you know yeah there's evidence for you know egyptology saying that you know the sphinx is 4,500 years old but i believe that there's stronger evidence suggesting that it's older than that and um hmm. it wouldn't it be amazing to like almost definitively conclude that that was the case that it really yeah. is much older and that's the thing is that you know egyptology isn't open to that you know if anyone suggests that you're oh, automatically really? labeled as a pseudoscientist oh um, see people, that that mentality yeah, yeah and that's my that's big problem, problem. Is that we need to be more open about it and i mean yeah if it sounds absurd maybe you should test it to see how absurd it is um you know no one's ever built a sphinx or a pyramid to prove otherwise with the tools mm. that we have right now so i mean i don't um you know, it's, it's just a big what if for me. So that's the whole kind of basis of my podcast. I like to ask why, nice. why things are the way they are. You know, if we've really been here for as long as we've been here for, we've been around for longer. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so Sounds good. a big problem for me when I'm um, trying to do street epistemology is coming up with questions. I oh, really, uh, sometimes I need to actually write out questions like I even have right in front of me a couple of questions that I wanted to be sure to ask you but it's it's like I have to like literally write down this baseline of what I'm saying otherwise I will just completely lose track of what I'm talking about so how do you no kidding how do you just I don't know keep on track and keep your keep these really insightful questions going do you have like a method that you do or practice mm, well no, I don't really have a method, but no. the questions kind of just come to you naturally the more that you do it. And uploading your videos to YouTube, for example, and then reading, literally going through, like, I almost always read the comments. And YouTube is pretty good about sending me an email too. So yeah, yeah. they don't do it for every, they don't do it for every comment, thankfully. <laughs> but I get enough of them where I read them. And a lot of times, I get suggestions like, why didn't you ask this? Or it would have been really interesting if you proposed this thought experiment at that moment. Right. So I, I try to remember that. Now there are times sometimes where I'll jot down on my whiteboard, like, uh, ask about doubt, you know, or let's talk okay. about. So rather than like asking a person to, to uh, surface a claim, 
ask if they've ever disagreed with somebody on something like try that as your entry point, you know, so sometimes okay. I'll jot down a little note here or there, but I'm, I'm, I'm so immersed in this because of my own content and then doing interviews like this and people out of the blue hitting me with things. There's a constant inflow of ideas. So yeah. I have this huge repository to draw from, um, which I guess gives me an advantage and maybe makes it look easy to the observer. Like how the hell is he coming up with these questions? I mean, right, I wish I right. could say that they're all mine. You know, yeah. my, my advice is, is like, just get comfortable doing it, pay attention to the criticisms and submerse yourself or immerse yourself in the street epistemology community and figure out what people are getting stuck on and then pay attention to the solutions that people are offering. Yeah. And if you, if, okay. let's say you're in the heat, and that's, it's easy to say now, as we're talking about it, like, yeah, yeah. but when you're in the conversation, if you're stuck, one thing that you could try is you could say, I'm not really sure what to ask you next. I want to ask you another question, okay. but I'm struggling to formulate it. Right. Is, okay. is, is there a question that you were thinking that I would be asking you that I haven't? Oh, okay. That's interesting. Try that. And maybe they'll, as they're sputtering out a question, because they're probably caught off guard by your query, because who, who asks their conversation partner <laughs> yeah. what question you should ask them? Right. But sometimes as they're stumbling around for a question you can ask, it dawns on you the perfect question to ask. And you okay. can entertain the Love one it. that they proposed or you can then work in your question that you just thought of. So okay, maybe try uh, that. That's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, I think I might have to implement that. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, a big a big thing for me is I'm passionate about um, you know positive atheism, promoting you know free thinking and critical thinking, and I'm I'm also I'm open to a debate. You know, if someone comes up to me and starts throwing Bible verses at me, I'm going to throw Bible verses back at you. Um, probably not ones that you'll like though. And <laughs> that's how I just, I, I have a hard time getting past that, you know, just saying, sorry, I don't want to have a conversation with you rather than, you know, coming at them. You know, I, yeah. I, I have a hard time. I understand the tenant. <laughs> I understand the tendency to want to contest the things that you're being told, especially if you're sure that you know exactly what verse would be the, the, Right. The contra the, the compliment or yeah. the whatever. Not the, to say the, I'm proud of it or you know that I'm no, I'm I, I get it or anything, but I you know it's it's just something that I just I'm like, God, you know, really, you know, how how uh, here's what you you could try to do. You could say you could literally say, now back in the day when I was arguing with people and not doing street epistemology, I may have said something like, but in this verse it says this. However, I'm trying okay. to resist saying that. So therefore yeah. you get it off. Like you, you are able to reveal the contradiction maybe, or the competing verse. Right. Um, you could do that. Now that will probably consume rapport and result in a more defensive person. Yeah. Uh, another thing you can try is you can say, if we were to discover a verse that said something contradictory to what you said, what would your reaction be? How would you react to it? Now they may say, okay. I'd be really intrigued to hear that. Like that would probably really shake me up if I heard it. Yeah, definitely. And then you can say, well, I think I have something that's close. Would you like to hear it? Uh, sure. Okay. Go for it. Right. It's completely different than just slamming it into their face without any preparation whatsoever. Yeah. And I think that's really cool about what you do too, is that you don't come off saying that you're an atheist right out of the bat. You know, you don't tell them your beliefs, you know, when, when they're approaching you or when you're. That's kind of controversial them. though. Some people are like, you should be saying that you disagree with them on their claim right from the start. I, I think, I think the approach of, 
not giving your stance, I think it's a lot more open, you know, that way people aren't going into it saying this person's going to try to, you know, debunk. What I, I'm saying. I understand that. But if they were to learn later and they often do learn later, then it could leave people with a bad taste in their mouth. Like, why didn't you disclose this really important yeah, information? Like I would have been fair. much more, who knows how they would have reacted. I've had people open up even more when I've revealed that I disagree with their position because maybe okay. they've been entertaining it or they're curious about why people just like, I might be curious about why they think it. They may be curious about why I think it. And now they're excited to finally talk to someone who's being polite and open and respectful like, oh, I've always wanted to talk to like a, a nice atheist who, you yeah. know, and it could open them up even more. And sometimes people even say, you know, I've really been questioning this and, and it's nice to run into somebody who thinks this Definitely. because I'm surrounded by everyone who thinks otherwise. So you never know what the reaction is going to be. I, I wanted to finish the, the part about revealing the part about the Bible or whatever, yeah, the whole yeah, book, like the contradictory thing. You can ask them, you know, what, what do you think would happen if you were to see that? Um, they may be really welcoming because they were curious about it, um, but it could also shut them down. Or they may say, listen, you can give me all the verses in this holy book that show that I'm wrong. And it's not going to mean anything to mm -hmm. me because right. I know I have the truth because I had a miracle. So you could be giving people things to show that they're wrong and debating with them and you know, throwing up barriers to their own progress, whatever. Um, that has no bearing at all on their confidence. That's another consideration is make sure, like check in with them. If you were to see this, would you, would it impact your confidence in any way? And if they say no, then you don't have to argue with them about verses. You can move on to another reason that's really supporting their view. Right. Yeah. That's so yeah, meet them where they're at, but in order to find out where they're at, you need to ask them where they're at. Yeah. How would okay. you react if I showed you this verse? You know, right. Uh, it would be profound to, it wouldn't bother me one, one bit. Cause I know that I have the truth. Cause I have all these other reasons. Right. <laughs> yeah. Have, have, uh, has your beliefs on anything ever changed by conversations that you've had with people? Have you ever sure. tried to switch in beliefs? Switch in beliefs? Well, so I guess, uh, has anyone ever said anything that convinced you? I oh, guess? otherwise by whatever you were talking not about. on the god claim no i mean okay. today all the, all the reasons and methods that people provide for thinking that there's a higher power or the supernatural is real let's go we can expand it to ghosts gods yeah. spirits you know karma like a supernatural karma or whatever right there doesn't seem to be any really good reason for thinking any of that is true yeah i'm still open to it but like so far, it no seems thanks. like it almost seems like that's <laughs> yeah. a done deal. Like there's, they just, there's just no backing for it, right. but I'm still open to it. I'm open to one day encountering the theist who can adequately explain how they became convinced that this is true. Yeah. And maybe yeah. they have some good backing for it, but yeah. I've changed my mind a little bit on gun control, you know, open carry okay. and probably a few other things. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another thing, too, is that like street epistemology can be used for things other than beliefs necessarily in, in religious aspects. It can be used in. Oh, sure. You know, you know political can, things, too. We can use street epistemology to to explore whether street epistemology is ethical or effective. Yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I mean, that's another thing that I kind of struggle with is that I'm not a huge politics guys so like i don't know a whole lot about politics so i have a hard time coming up with questions to ask as far as politics go because i don't know what the hell i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> well 
remember with SE, you don't really know, need to know too much about it. Right. Because they're the ones who seem to know about it and have taken a position on it. Yeah. So honestly, like the, uh, the work, a lot of the work is on the person who's making the claim and the SE or the questioner just needs to listen yeah. and reflect back and then ask questions to kind of keep driving down to, well, how did you determine that that's true? If you kind of keep that in mind, that framework in mind, it takes the pressure off of you. And people love to be listened to because you're really paying close attention to them because you want to formulate good questions. And then you're not really on the hot seat unless right. they turn around and say, okay, okay, buddy, where do you stand on this? Yeah, now, like, oh. now it's like, oh. <laughs> well, I'm probably, you know, I'm not quite as, sh- you know, you, you, you can just, you can, you can handle that however way that you want, but I would, how would, let me ask you this. How would you like to be questioned about your political views? Would you like somebody to debate and argue with you? Or would you prefer that somebody use an SE approach with your own views? Exactly. Yeah. So I'd much rather someone use an SE approach because if they're coming up aggressively, like, cause I mean, if I'm being out, well, a couple of my family members are very aggressive, um, you know, certain previous president, you know, lovers, but um, they, they're hard to have conversations with because of, you know, they, they come off aggressive and they want me to come back aggressive, but um, yeah. And then yeah, if that's... you don't, if you don't come back aggressive, people start to wonder why are you, why are you not matching me in terms of your passion? Right. Like, do you just not care? Are you manipulating me? Cause you're using some weird technique. I've heard that. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're interacting with me much differently than I expected or that you've done in the past. Therefore you must be up to something sneaky. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. That could happen. Yeah. That's definitely uh, something I've, I've been struggling with lately because, you know, my, my way of thinking just from a year ago, what, before I found you, you know, my, my way of thinking and um, you know, questioning things has really changed from how it was just a year ago. And uh, a lot of people are, I've noticed that I, I know personally are thrown off by that um, because they notice, you know, I, I kind of have different approach yeah. um, lately. So I've kind of noticed yeah. that. Um, I bet. I bet that maybe, maybe they're used to saying something that you in the past would readily agree to. And maybe yes. today you're more like, Hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and even just ago, that one little switch just changes everything for them at their perspective. Yeah, like, I mean, wow. Two years ago, I was posting all over Facebook about how aliens are real. And I was writing whole, you know, seven page articles on how great aliens were walking around and um, how, you know, Hillary Clinton was a reptile and how, you know, the earth is probably flat and all these really, um, really interesting things I was writing. And now, I mean, frankly, I don't believe any of it now, you know, and that was just Mm. two years ago. And I look back, I actually converted my old Facebook page um, where I I used to write all these alien articles. I converted it to my new um, podcast page so I can actually look back still on those articles and they're still there and I can still look at myself and say, wow, look at- Good for you. See, see, I, I would think a weaker person would just delete it and start over, yeah. but I think it's awesome that you left it out there to show your growth. Yeah. So, I mean, people are, can still go read them. They're still open to read. There's probably 15, 20, maybe even 30 articles on Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, everything you can think of. And I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've completely changed my stance from when I wrote those articles and I, I uh, yeah. yeah. And here's, here's the beauty of it too, is that you could still go back to believing one yes. of those things. If there's a good reason to do exactly, so, Exactly. Yeah. you don't have to close yourself off to thinking that uh, God is real or not. Exactly. You can, you can say, I don't know. Like I'm intrigued. I'd love to think that this was true. I'd love to think that Bigfoot was real. 
But until there's a good reason for thinking so, I'm going to have to lower my confidence accordingly. Right, exactly. And um, that's wonderful that you made that journey. That's really incredible. Because yeah, and it's it's. You see that. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting because I I have a hard time. I'm on like a ton of Facebook groups too, and I'm on like all these you know still on UFO groups and flat Earth groups and stuff, and I have a hard time having conversations with people on there because they I think. I feel like it has something to do to where, you know, they don't hear that tone of voice, that friendly tone of voice. They just see the words on the page and, you know, interpret it how they want. But um, I feel like it's hard to have SE conversations just through texts on Facebook forums. I would use text to find people and then go to Omega or video chat like we're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Or in person, ideally. Right. Because so much, so much more is transmitted when you're able to see the person. Right. I mean, not to say I haven't had some really insightful conversations with people over, you know, some Christian websites and um, stuff like that. It, it can happen conversations, but not very yeah. often. Um, yeah. But yeah, Anthony, I had a really awesome talk with you. I mean, I really, Me too. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, before I let you go, is there anything that you wanted to plug in and uh, tell the audience about before I let you go? Uh, well, sure. Uh, the, the big thing that we're working on at the moment is a course to teach people how to do street epistemology. We have Many of the practitioners that you see online who are uploading stuff are on this team. We have folks from around the world developing a course to teach people how to do this. It's going to be massive. Definitely. It's going to be like 22 modules. Each module might be anywhere between 20 to 30 pages. So we're talking very big, Interesting. Um, but yeah. useful. I mean, if you need any help with it, you have my number. I'm, I'm oh, really? to help. <laughs> be careful what you wish for because or, 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 or solicit because we are looking for people to help us out. Okay. There's a there's also a Discord server that's quite active, yep. and there's a Reddit. The Reddit is actually quite active oh, too. Oh, really? I didn't know there's that. There's a Reddit for yeah. It's like eleven thousand people. Last time wow. I checked, it's insane. Wow. So this is this is blowing up. But what we're really looking for is for people to learn the approach, practice it, put it into into play, and you know start encouraging other people to use it in their daily interactions because it's seemingly effective. People who participate in it seem to enjoy it. And it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's kind of what we need at this moment in our culture. We're talking past each other and things are getting bad. And I think this is a solution for fixing that, but we have the tool. We just need people to start picking it up and using it. Right. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me on your show and good luck with your podcast too. It sounds really interesting. Absolutely. Thank you, Anthony. I really do appreciate it. And once again, if you need my help with anything, you have my number. I'm totally open okay. to help you out uh, with street epistemology and, you know, hopefully get this thing taken off and maybe get a couple more people who listen to this podcast interested in it. And uh, anyone who's interested can check out uh, street epistemology. Is it .com or .org for street epistemology international? Street epistemology.com and then street epistemology international.org. But I think you can do either or and they redirect. So gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you'll awesome. find it. All right. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it. Everyone check out Street Epistemology and check out Anthony's YouTube channel. And uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, Anthony. Thank you so much. Bye.